Well, today I want to uh, uh, continue with where we left off last week. We were talking about the benefits of being part of a faith family. And so I'm going to have Carol to start off with just reading a little bit uh, from the article that this kind of spurred this topic in the first place. A gentleman wrote an online article back in February and called it Divorcing Your Church. And in it, he tells the stories of a number of people all across this country who came to a church, received deliverance, healing, breakthrough in their lives, but then they end up leaving. And he talked about how that's just become an epidemic in America. And so the Carol, just read the last portions of that article. Uh, okay. The stories are endless, but they all share a common narrative of people receiving life and restoration from the church and then divorcing their churches to serve some offense. Hmm. Yield to a divisive or deceptive spirit or to pursue some spurious teaching, doctrine, or practice. According to Psalm 68 and 6, the Lord sets his people in families so that the benefits of redemption can be explained, explored, and enjoyed. The word set means to remain or to abide. Our destiny in this life, our ability to bear fruit, and the influence we are to have on the lives of others are all tied to remaining in God's set place for us. So today we're going to continue to, with our list, I'm calling it a list of benefits of being part of a faith family. And we're going to share some scriptures from the Bible uh, as we're going through the list that lay some foundational understanding and we're going to share what we've experienced in the faith family that we were a part of, uh, or I should say faith families, because <laughs> it wasn't just the local church, but also the small group gatherings uh, that we were a part of. And we believe that there, we, we just came up with a list of 10 when Carol and I were first talking about this. We just had, a, we just right there on the spot, we was just kind of thinking, what are some of the benefits of really being a part of a faith family? And we call them 10 positive characteristics. Uh, that, that's another good way to put it. 10 positive a aspects of being a part of a faith family. And so those 10 things are uh, a faith family is a place of community. It's a place of communion, a place of camaraderie, a place of care, a place of connection, a place of conflict resolution. I got all the C's, didn't I? A place of <laughs> confessing faults, a place of covering, a place of covenant, and a place of commissioning. And so as we get started, like we always do, let's just pray this prayer together. Lord, I pray that the word today would find good soil in my heart. I reject the thoughts of offense where the light of your word exposes my sin. I do not take offense. I will change and turn to you, my heavenly father. I reject condemnation. Your word says that Jesus did not come to condemn people. This word does not come to condemn me, but it comes to heal me. I reject accusation. Satan is the accuser of brothers and sisters, and this word does not come to accuse me or abuse me. This word exposes Satan and his lies, and I choose to believe and receive the truth. God says in his word, Blessed are my eyes, for they see, and my ears, for they hear. For many prophets and righteous men desired to see what I see, and did not see it, and to hear what I hear, 
and did not hear it. Therefore, I will hide your word in my heart, that I might not sin against or miss the will of God. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your word today. And Lord, our hearts are open before you. Speak, Lord God. We thank you for this opportunity you have given us to reveal who you've been to us through the years and the things that you've done. Today, Lord, we see this as an opportunity to give the testimony of the Lord. For you in your word, you say, they overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And we bring forth this testimony today so that there will be a convincing in the heart of your people, those that watch online, those that follow, uh, follow us in this ministry. Thank you, Lord God, for speaking into their hearts and encouraging them, Lord, that even in these perilous times that you are with us and that you are indeed making these connections and uh, setting us in these places and with these particular people at this season in our lives. And so, Lord God, we trust you to speak. Chris and Carol decrease, that you would increase. May this not just simply be our opinions and our views, but really come from your perspective from the throne. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow, I feel his presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, last week we talked about three benefits of being part of a faith family. And uh, uh, the first three of the ten, and they were... We talked about community and communion and camaraderie. And this week, we want to talk about the benefits of experiencing care and connection and conflict re resolution. Ha ha. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick look at the review of last week. Uh, let me go back to that. Last week. Communion. Uh, community, communion and camaraderie. First of all, in community, we looked at Acts, the second chapter. Um, verses 40 through 47 you're very familiar with that that's where it says uh, starting at verse 41 I will then those who gladly received this word were baptized that day and about 3,000 souls were added to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship that sounds familiar in the breaking of bread and in prayers then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And so the example that we gave out of our personal life uh, from this particular scripture that which expresses community was uh, in, our, in our faith family, in our home church, uh, we experienced what it's like to actually come together for a common cause. Uh, Being of one heart, yeah. having the same uh, vision, having yeah. and wanting to see it fulfilled, doing whatever it took in order to do that, and just the being of the same heart. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, because the bottom line for us are uh, uh, we're operating in a very strong and powerful evangelistic and discipleship um, emphasis. Uh, and when you, when a ministry is set up totally to do that, it requires this coming, this uh, coming together 
and so we were very intentional in training everybody from the praise and worship team to the worship arts to greeters to ushers to people working in the in the, in the parking lot uh, children's ministry everybody uh, that understood that the bottom line theme for what we were doing was that we were trying to win our families and our friends mm -hmm. to the Lord and that we wanted to help them in discipleship. We wanted them to help them to grow and to learn mm -hmm. uh, and to do this together. Mm -hmm. And so the the annual church calendar was, was uh, even set up like on the same way as the school calendar in September. Uh, we had people, we asked people to enroll in classes, uh, but not just the typical, well, just enroll in the church Bible classes and all that, Sunday school and all that. No, it was very intentional. We're enrolling in classes because we're going to teach you how to lead a soul to Christ. We're going to teach you how to disciple somebody who all of this is new to them. So you need to get familiar with all of this so that you can teach them. The emphasis is, was not, we, we made it very intentional. The emphasis here is not to get everybody coming to the pastor. Right. We want you to know this so that you can personally disciple your friends and your family. Because you are the one that they have relationship with. Yeah. You are the one that they trust. Yeah. You are the one that they know. And so we did that. Uh, so the fall, September, all the way until may june <laughs> the the calendar was even set up to constantly perpetuate this mindset of we're all in this together mm -hmm. every ministry is in this together everybody has a different role and different emphasis but the bottom line is we want to win souls and we want to disciple them and um and, uh, and so by the time we got into i talked about it last time february the emphasis was on married couples because you know it was Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Then we get into March and April, and that'd be Easter or Resurrection Sunday, and I, that's that was one of the major uh, outreach evangelistic. evangelistic times for our entire church. Mm -hmm. Everybody got involved in that. They would pull the music arts, the um, praise teams, uh, dance, drama. Everybody would get involved for this big, huge production mm -hmm. that we were going to do every year. Um, the media team, everybody. We opened up the fellowship hall because we knew we were going to have to uh, set up a, a large screen TV downstairs for the overflow. Everybody would get, I mean, just every ministry in the church got geared up for, for Resurrection Sunday. Um, the altar ministry, the uh, follow-up people who followed up on those who would give their heart to the Lord, uh, the elders, the deacons, everybody. So the whole ministry, all that teaching and training from September led all the way up to the whole church being involved come Easter, a resurrection in this big, huge production. And I'm telling you, we saw every year scores of people coming up afterwards to give their hearts to the Lord. And there will be all the elders and deacons and altar workers and everybody there to take them uh, to a certain room that we had set aside to pray with them personally, to explain to them what you just did. You just, and taking them through the scriptures, questions. answer the questions. Why? Because they had all been trained. We even trained the youth ministry to do the same. Uh, in May, the emphasis was international ministry. In June, uh, and also on women, and Mother's, Day. Mother's Day. In June, it was Father's Day. And at the end of June, um, we, there would be a big youth conference. 
and the youth would do a major production of some type. And we, we had geared up everything we had done all through the school year for the young people. To, it wasn't just a one-time thing. Sometimes people would think, man, all these songs and plays and drama and all this stuff that the youth are doing, it seems like it's just for that one big event on the youth conference. But no, the youth, the youth were actually just simply uh, giving a summary of what we had been teaching them all year and they just displayed it on during the youth conference and the youth conference was also the kickoff mm -hmm. of the churches we call them Ur summer urban music festival where we were going to the streets all summer every month one saturday out of every month or sunday sometimes we put it on sundays we would take our equipment instruments, singers, dancers, praise team, drama, all that stuff that we had done on Resurrection Sunday, we take all that stuff, all that dancing and singing and everything and we put it on the street. That's what we mean. So we know we're, that's what yes. we're talking about when we yes. say community. Yes. A and whole we were church. known for that. We had a reputation, yeah. a good reputation in the community. That, Whenever anybody needed anything, um, they could come. Yeah. And and uh, we would help uh, with budgeting and yeah. um, helping to pay people's bills. Um, with their, when there were funerals, need funerals, and they needed a place to have it, they yeah. would come and ask. They knew that they could. Come. They know they can come here, and we would handle the repast and the food and in everything. In order to minister to the family. Because it was the coming together. Hospitality ministry mm -hmm, was then involved. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for us, all of these titles and things that I've heard since we've been here, mm -hmm. it doesn't carry the same meaning from what we're thinking. Yeah. The purpose of a hospitality ministry, the purpose of a pastoral care ministry, mm -hmm. the purpose for men's ministry, women's ministry, marriage ministry, all of that is seems to be kind of locked up into your church and what you're doing. But for us, all of those things had totally to do with evangelism, mm -hmm. discipleship, mm -hmm. every bit of it. <laughs> so, so that's where we're coming from yes. when we talk about being in a faith family. And for us, one of the benefits of being in a faith, plan, a faith family was is the benefit of being a part of a community, mm -hmm. a community of everybody's on the same page. Mm -hmm. Then the whole church. So we didn't think of evangelism as just being a department in right, the church. Right. We didn't think of the missionaries as just being a certain few people in the church. Mm -hmm. For us, everybody's an evangelist. Mm -hmm. I don't care what area in this whole church you serve in. Right. Everybody's evangelism. Everybody's discipleship. <laughs> Everybody. It's not just a department in the church. And that brought about a sense of community. I'll never forget up there, one of the young rappers, uh, his way of expressing this, part of his lyrics and one of his raps was, forget about the problems that you're facing, let's go out and win the nation. Because the mindset was to get God's people to stop just focusing upon what you're going through. And St. Louis, we're, and we're talking about people who was from poor, yeah. ghetto. Mm -hmm needed help mm -hmm. but they would get saved and get a hold of this vision and go wait a minute i'm not just here to get my bills paid and get my food stamps right. and to get my, no i'm here to help somebody else and we would watch god turn their lives around when they would take on that mentality yeah. what they saw that when we taught that 
to seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to, unto you. Everything that you need is added to you, unto you. And it happened. Yeah. So to actually see it happen, encouraged. And, and so there was a fire. There was a, there was a real zeal, but it was a zeal according to knowledge and experience. Yeah. Um, and it was a wonderful thing to see. It and really it, was. Yeah. It really was. And so, and even that phrase, seek first the kingdom of God, yeah. didn't mean just seek to stay saved. Right. No, no, no. It meant seek the priority of God. And yeah. one of the priorities of God, absolutely, is the salvation of people. Yeah. So when you make that number one, yeah. I'm going to gear up my whole life. So then, even when we teach about tithes and offerings and everything, it took on real meaning. Because now the purpose of giving was to make sure that this happened in our church and in our community. Then people knew why they were giving. We're giving because, yes, it's going to pay for the instruments or pay for the stage or pay for the uniforms or for the costumes, but it's all because we're going out. And these productions and all of that now has meaning. It's not so that we can look good and we can brag. No, we're trying to win people. And we saw it happen. Yeah. People would we'd come to rehearsals, they'd be put in the work, and everybody's working in all their different areas. Mm-hmm. I saw security people mm-hmm. practicing and training, mm-hmm. and here's the other thing, security people praying, yes, yes. interceding, and praying, Lord, yes. Lord, we pray for your protection. Mm-hmm. Everybody's car, Lord, don't let the enemy be able to do nothing to distract anybody mm-hmm. that gives their heart to you. Because that's how the enemy plays, y'all know. Somebody in there getting saved and their car getting stole outside. Right. <laughs> then they totally discouraged and they don't think about the nothing. Of about them. The That's city. the reality of living in the city. Because we told y'all what happened to us on the night that we had hands laid upon us to send us here. Our equipment got stole that we was planning on bringing here. <laughs> so that's the city. <laughs> that's life in the city. But we have that sense of community is what we're talking about. The next one is communion. We talked about last week. And uh, communion, we talked about two aspects of communion. The first was the sharing. Uh, 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 the, de- the technical definition of communion is the sharing or exchanging intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when that exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. So it's the sharing and exchanging of intimate thoughts and intimate feelings. That's why we tend to think of the word communion, especially in marriage. Me and Carol, we have communion. It goes even beyond just thoughts and feelings. That's why we look at each other across the room and we've communicated even though we didn't say a word. <laughs> and our church can experience that. But I connected it with the other aspect of communion, which we know of as being partaking of the Lord's table. And that's when we you know, uh, eat the bread and drink of the juice and, and this, the service of Christian worship where the bread and the wine are consecrated and shared. Um, now, an example of that, for us in our home church, what we used was how every year at the start of the year in January, uh, we started the year with 40 days of prayer and fasting. And then my pastor, my brother, cut it back to 30 days. I know some people you go, cut it back to 30. What do you mean, <laughs> cut back to 30? Well, that's where we come from. But every night, Monday through Friday, we ask the church family to gather uh, for a time of worship and prayer and my brother would teach and we'd be there frantically taking notes as he's teaching Monday through Friday. Friday night would be all night. Mm-hmm. All night prayer and fasting on up until Saturday like around 1 or 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon. 
And so we would be on shifts, different ones of us elders and ministers, but we were going to take two hours to lead the prayer and each one of us, and we may have exhortation or teaching. And, uh, and of course we gave people a chance to take a break and all of that during the all nighters. But, and, uh, but what happens is during those times, there's something spiritually that happens to a congregation that moves them into communion with, with God another. and with one another. Yeah. Uh, because during those times that we were meeting like that, there are many times that great revelation was coming through the teaching. There was impartations. One of the things that's re that, the, that the word of God requires of believers before you partake of the communion, it says, let there be a self-examination. You know, really make sure that so that you don't eat and drink of this in an unworthy manner. Because if you do, you bring judgment upon yourself. And so not only did we have the physical communion, but the spiritual aspect of communion is what was happening to yeah. us in that faith family. Yeah. Those 30 days, those 40 days, those spontaneous times of prayer was establishing this whole new level of communion within us. And we talked about last time how sometimes people who missed it, they come back and the whole church is at a different level mm -hmm. and they can feel it. <laughs> they can feel it. The church, everybody's moved on. Yeah. And, and then there are those who will be like jokingly saying, you missed it, you missed it. But of course, some people have gotten offended and they left because it felt like uh, all these cliques have formed and I'm not part of it. But that's not what happened. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because I offered this. I wish I could talk to this gentleman who wrote this article because I offer this as part of what happened to some people in, in churches where even though they experienced powerful moves of God, they also miss some very special things. And when they came back, mm -hmm. the church was different right. and they felt out of place. Yeah. They really weren't, but they felt it because just that a new level of communion came. And rather than just humbling themselves and saying, okay, I'm going to come on in at the level where the church is, they let the enemy talk to them mm -hmm. and they leave. <laughs> let the enemy they get offended and all that and it's like there was no need for offense there was no need for offense because it does happen it's same just think about in the natural if you miss a few days of school when you come back the class is at a whole nother level because sure. yeah. the teaching has gone on yeah. <laughs> whether you missed it or not and what do you do you find yourself having to catch up mm -hmm. and it's the same thing in the things of God teaching goes forth revelation comes forth mm -hmm. And so the church goes to another level and you can come back and you've missed it. So now you got to catch up. Yeah. And it really is like that. But some have gotten offended and they left when that happened. Uh, and then the last one we talked about was camaraderie. Uh, last time we met camaraderie is a spirit of good friendship and loyalty among members of a group. And camaraderie is birthed out of going through some stuff together. Yeah. Absolutely. Going through thick and thin. Camaraderie just comes through being together. It, you can't force it. And, uh, and one thing that I've learned in my many years of ministry, both in St. Louis and here in Harrisburg, is that there are sometimes people try to force a level of relationship that it's just not there, quote, yet. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you sense, oh, you're a good brother, you're a good sister, it's a great couple, and all that. And so, but they want to jump in at a certain level that, no, I don't know you like that. Yet. Yet. I will, but I don't. But again, because many people are so desperate for that sense of belonging, 
And, but you can't step in on our 35 years of history and just know where me and Carol are. You just aren't. You haven't been a part of that, and that's okay. Here's the rest of it, and that's okay. But the issue is step in where we are now, and now just walk with us, and you'll develop a history with us. It won't be the last 35 years, but you'll be part of our story because that's the word history is it's his story you'll be a part of our story from this point mm-hmm. yay <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about camaraderie comes really out of out of uh, working together yes. when I talk about give these stories on the community and the communion we experienced in our faith family back in St. Louis that's years Carol and I were there 17 years mm-hmm. that's a lot of community and communion. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of serving. There's a lot. We're going to talk about this today. There's a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. But mm-hmm. what, and what we did was we looked at Paul's uh, letters and looked at all of his, you know, looked at his greetings. Uh, just want to repeat just a few of them. In Romans 16, he said, greet Priscilla and Aquila, and he called them my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Uh, and he also, in verse 5, he said, likewise, greet the church that is in their house, which is another one of those things why we keep saying, yeah, church is going back to the house. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, in verse 6, he said, greet Mary, and again, here's that word, who labored much for us. You keep... And I just encourage you sometimes just go back and look at Paul's greetings. A lot of times we just skip them because we want to get to the good stuff. (laughs) But when you read his greetings, you get that sense of camaraderie that I'm talking about because you look at what he would say about them. Loyal. He say words like labored much for us, fellow workers. Uh, Verse seven, there's a couple of people. He says, my fellow prisoners. Woo. That's folks who really been through with me. We was in prison together. And so now you think about the level of camaraderie of somebody who you have suffered with. Suffered together. Um, in verse in Colossians 4, uh, he speaks of a gentleman. He says, uh, he always, he's always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. He wasn't even talking about himself. He's talking about another brother. So that's what I'm saying that, that why we believe that one of the benefits of being part of a faith family is because it's a place of camaraderie. It's a place where yeah, you're going to work together. You're going to labor together. You're going to suffer together, but you're also going to triumph together and you'll all in them. will be able to, in a sense, quote, write letters and say, hey, how you doing? Tell mom I love her. <laughs> and it sounds like just, a, that's how it is when you, sometimes when you go to churches, uh, different churches and they're celebrating their anniversaries mm-hmm. and the people get up and give testimonies and they can't say it all. You always get that one person who's trying to tell the whole story. They say, sit down, baby. You can't, we ain't got but for so long. But what it is is because of that camaraderie. Yeah years and they're trying to sum it all up and they're trying to tell the whole thing because they want everybody to understand what this ministry means to me and what these people mean to me. (laughs) Um, So we just had the privilege of being part of a great family, faith family. So now let's move on and talk about faith family benefits of care, connection, and uh, conflict resolution. First of all, care. 
I'll let you go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, care, um, and we used, uh, we based it on the, uh, one of the scriptures we used was from Second Peter 3 and 5. Casting on your care on him, for he cares for you. And the Greek word for care is merimna, from the word marrow, to divide, and nous, the mind. The word denotes distractions, anxieties, burdens, and worries. So merimna means to be anxious beforehand about daily life. Such worry is unnecessary because of the Father's love, uh, which provides for both our daily needs and our special needs. So in a faith family, um, there are those who not only help to remind you of the Father's love, and provision for you, but they will also be people who will help care, pray with you and for you. Um, and they will also even seek to try and bring that care to, yeah. into your life. I thought that very interesting that that actual word, that Greek word means to divide the mind yeah. and to have anxieties and burdens. So we'll say, well, that's not what I'm wanting as part of a faith family. But what he's talking about is when Peter said, cast your care. Mm -hmm cast those things that divide your mind that burden you that cause you anxieties cast it on the lord and in a faith family we have some people that will help god provides people that can help bear that burden uh even bringing words and revelation encouragement to deal with those anxieties. Well, and to help you to because since your mind is divided, you're not thinking about the word of God. You're yeah. not thinking about his promises to you. You're not even thinking about even maybe the prophetic words that have come to you. You forget. Yes. So <laughs> the faith family will be there to remind you of the promises of God, of the words that have been spoken over your life, um, and to remind you that there are people who care for you. Yeah. In Acts, the second chapter, again, going back to that, verses 44 through 45, we see caring response. Uh, I'll read it. It says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And even before that, verse 32 through 35, it says, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. That's some serious care, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. Wow. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And here's some serious care. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Some serious benefits of being <laughs> part of a faith family. And we also experienced that. Yes. We absolutely did. Yes. Uh, for example, my wife always tells people how in the early years for our sons, we didn't have to buy clothes or shoes for our three sons. Not and until they were teenagers. Not until they was teenagers, because there was just people uh, that would, they had older children. Mm -hmm. uh, they their say, children would grow, their out, children of their grow out of their clothes, which it really happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, because children, they grow so fast, yeah. 
you know, you buy the clothes they wear them once or twice, and, and too big. that's it. Too big. <laughs> it's too for small the for them. Yeah. So our boys was always, there was always somebody that was giving us clothes mm -hmm. for our sons. Why did it happen? We're part of a faith family. Mm -hmm. We're part of a family of people that say, look, my child only wore it, wore it once or twice. Here, you can have it. Yeah. And so we wasn't too proud. I know. Because it's going to be the same thing for us. They weren't going to be able to wear them but once or twice because <laughs> they grow so fast. <laughs> and then we pass them on to somebody else. Yeah. So I, I guess some of them clothes probably went through six or seven families <laughs> before. <laughs> I'm sure. And they, I mean, and, and they were good clothes. Good clothes, yeah. Good shoes. So. Yeah. Uh, wow. And we realize that many of those who are listening to us uh, – uh, you may not, perhaps you may not have ever experienced this in your faith family, or, or if you did, uh, there may have been some offense or disappointment that still drove you away. Um, and, but I want to be very strong on this point that in this hour, you really do need to be in a faith family because what we experience with just those physical needs being met for our children, right. and and you have to have that uh, for what's coming up on our nation and I can't say that I know but we all have this sense of something's up and, and we're going to need to be a part of a group of people who care Yes, they care to get me the information that I need to know they care to help me uh, and for us to help one another with what we need to know I feel like great and terrible things are coming up on America uh, there are people who are debating about if rather this has anything to do with the great tribulation, I've talked about this in times past in our church. You probably find this in some of our old, old teachings. But I talked about how there are things that America has to deal with that has nothing to do with if rather the, we're living in the time of, the, quote, the great tribulation. Because I, cause, and I bring this up because the different doctrinal teachings or beliefs that people have they believe some believe jesus is going to come before the tribulation some believe it's going to come in the middle of it some believe they're going to go through the tribulation jesus is coming at the end of it all um i'm not here to debate that but i we, i do stand on this point there's some things that america's going to deal with that has nothing at all to do with the great tribulation it has to do with any nation that turns its back on god yes period and you cannot, like this country has, wipe out its natives, bring in whole other people groups, Africans, to work the land, build an entire nation upon the backs, then uh, kill babies, like what has happened over the last 40 years at a rate of 3,000 per day, which now is culminated into 60 million. You cannot defy God's order of things about a man and a woman uh, being together in holy matrimony and, uh, and make it like any way you want it to be. Rather, it's marrying same sex or marrying multiple partners all at the same time. Um, you can't defy God at these levels and nothing ever happens. And we're watching our civilization literally falling apart at the seams mm -hmm. we really are uh even as we're you know we're in an election year and i agree with what i hear many people saying 
to, to choose a candidate this year, I heard one young rapper say it's full of profanity. I didn't know his rap was going to be full of profanity when I listened to it, but he basically makes the point. He said, it's like trying to choose which gun you want to be killed with. Yeah. And he makes excellent points. You got to choose either between a racist or a eugenicist. Yes. That's, that's basically the choices. Or we're going to choose some people who are outri- outwardly hateful and, and racist, or are we going to choose people that are covert and just do it on the down low? Mm-hmm. That, that's the choices. <laughs> so it's like, why, why, this is why even more uh, we need faith families. Not so that we can have somebody on an international platform speaking the views. Uh, our personal political views and all of that, but so that we can come and get perspective. I know every time we meet and we sit and talk, whatever anxieties or fears or whatever things you may not have been sure about what's going on in the news or in our world, we sit down and all talk together and the Holy Spirit starts speaking and we walk out of here like, oh, okay, I'm at peace now. All right, I got it. All right, thank you, Lord. God has it. God has it it under control. Okay, all right. (laughs) That's what's supposed to happen. In a faith family, you're not you're no longer concerned about your family, your life, whatever's going to happen with our nation. I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be with the people that I'm supposed to be there with. Mm-hmm. And whatever disaster, if any, breaks out, God is setting us up and preparing us mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Come on, bless the Lord. Mm-hmm. On about the benefits. <laughs> now, I want to say this. Um, so it's time to get rooted and grounded in a faith family. And every faith family it won't look the same. Some will be more like the home groups. That's why you don't hear me preaching and teaching against uh, people that are meeting in their homes, people that are meeting in their businesses. Some people, there's this just small groups. Some have what I, you see them, they have Facebook groups, Pinterest groups, um, uh, or, or, or Twitter, Twitter groups, family groups like ours. Uh, ministry groups where they don't necessarily they minister in the community all the time mm-hmm. but they just uh, but they don't uh, all attend the staff doesn't attend a local church they just meet among themselves every week for Bible study or what they might call chapel service mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what a faith family is going to look like I can't sit here and tell you what your faith family ought to look like, look like. Mm-hmm. some it will be the quote traditional local church setting but whatever group or assembly God is calling you to, really make a commitment there. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Receive the care. Receive that you the need. care. Yeah, that God has for you there. All right, now you can change it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make that point. <laughs> the next one is connection, and I'll let my wife start again. Okay. Um, we use the Ephesians four sixteen from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So that can, it's showing connection that there is mutual support yeah. in a faith family, which causes um, growth it causes one another to grow where we cause one another to grow where we're not just thinking about ourselves we're looking we are seeing that we are part we are part of yeah. a whole yeah. and that we need one another we are we are not an island um, and we're not survivalists we're not out here just for ourselves we, and we don't grow that way yeah. 
when, when you're a survivalist, you're insular, you feed upon yourself. <laughs> so there's not a whole lot of growth that's going to go on because you're just dealing with what you have. But when you're a part of a faith family and you're connected, you're... Um, you're growing from one another. You're you're giving to one another. You're you're growing. You're you're supporting each other. There is mm. there is a growing. There is a a, a joining. There is a supplying what uh, with um, one another with whatever they need, whatever mm. you see, and you're you're being and you're receiving that supply from the other yes, from one are. another. Yes, there is connection. I I the Lord the example that the Lord gave me was out of Acts. The story in Acts the second, ninth chapter. Uh, I don't hear about hear this story preached and talked about very much anymore. Not saying nobody does, but it's very rare that I hear this story anymore. I used to hear it all the time, and it's the story of how God used Barnabas to connect Saul to the church family, because this man had been putting people in jail and having people killed for the faith, and so when he was changed by God. He's on his way to to put and some more people. Another place to persecute. He was on his way, papers in hand, ready. And all he knows is what well, he tells the story of light shines down out of heaven and you know everybody's out. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> but anyway, even after this happened, church was still very leery of this guy. Sure. <laughs> would have been too. Because now it's like, okay, is this another tactic? Is, is this guy just kind of pretending to be part of what was then called the way? Is he just pretending to be part of the way so that he could find out where everybody lives? <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll read it. Acts 9, starting at verse 26, it says, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. <laughs> it is there. But verse 27, connection. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and he had, and he had spoken to him. In other words, he's talk, telling them that, that Saul had an encounter with God. And how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. In other words, mm -hmm. this guy came out boldly. Yes. Got to understand, they didn't have internet. So they didn't know that this took place. Mm -mm. So here's a guy standing up for him saying, no, he got changed. And I saw him mm -hmm. taking a bold stand. He was preaching in Damascus. He's one of us. Mm -hmm. So he was... And verse 28, so he was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out. So they let, they accepted him. Mm -hmm. But it's because somebody stood up yes. for him. Yes. Barnabas stood up for him. Yes. That's what I mean. Uh, uh, a faith family, one of the benefits of being in a faith family is that God will provide some people, somebody mm -hmm. who will stand up for you. That's true. Yes, yes he will. That's true. Yes, he will. He'll provide somebody that will stand up for you. I'll be a bridge for you yes. to make certain connections into certain areas yeah. and arenas. Yes. That is yes. absolutely yes. what has happened for us. Yes. <laughs> you were yes. one of them. God used you to get us connected yes. into the community. Yes. 
He used Denise to get us connected into Shalom House. Yes. You know, he's God will put people in place because y'all know we've been. God, how can we get that hurdle? God brought Ambassador Rivers into our life to cross us over that barrier to get us into the world system that we were trying to get. Why? Because we're part of the body of Christ. Yeah. God will provide people to bridge the gap for you. Come on. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I forgot to give our personal examples in the. in our home church. In our home church, connections often led to employment oh, yeah. because there have been people who've gotten jobs simply because of somebody in their church that was working there or made the connection. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, it was funny. At one point, it, it, uh, we gained a reputation that if you volunteered at, at our faith, <laughs> faith family church, you were going you to get, get, a, get job. a job. We couldn't keep volunteers because they kept getting People kept jobs. getting jobs. They come in and start volunteering, so, and somebody would tell them, there, "There's a job opening at such and such yeah. place." And then, there they go again. Yeah. Like we yeah. can't keep <laughs> nobody working in the office. So <laughs> it was funny though. So people started volunteering. The people started volunteering. People <laughs> so, to volunteer, and it still <laughs> kept happening. <laughs> um, but there, um, but being in our home church, connections led to us getting sometimes medical mm-hmm. uh, advice. Yep. Uh, different ones, especially in my family, when my mom was in the hospital or my brother was in the hospital, we had physicians in yes, our church yes. who, my own sister, yes. was a, a RN, a nurse yes. for many years, mm-hmm. they would go and talk to the doctors mm-hmm. on their behalf. Mm-hmm. And when, mm-hmm. when various medications and treatments were offered, they would say, this is going to be the side effect. Okay, well, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not sure you should tr- use that treatment on them. Well, have you talked to them about what this is going to mean right. in the long term? Yes. Well, I was there when you know, my sister was questioning the doctor because yes. she, you know, he's recommending a, a particular course of treatment for my mother. And my sister asked one question. She said, "What will be her quality of life after this decision?" Right. We wouldn't have even known to, to ask, ask that, that question. Oh. Why? Why? Faith family. Mm-hmm. You're in with people. God helps make connections yes. for you. We, we had attorneys in our church yes. who gave us legal expert advice, yes. both personal and for the ministry. Yes. The advantage of being in a faith family, yes. connections, yes. Uh, housing opportunities. Yes. Uh, this recently happened with one of the couples that we were marriage coaching. Mm-hmm. Some they, One of the needs that they had was that they needed a new house. They needed a, uh, to rent a house to get out of the apartment and start renting a home because their family was grown. Mm-hmm. This couple that we were coaching got in on that because of that connection, mm-hmm. and they rented their house out to this couple. It happened for us. Mm-hmm. We told you guys a story of a woman in our church uh, who rented out, I mean, who was giving up her apartment, mm-hmm. three-bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. at just the time that Carol was getting ready to give birth to the twins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was giving up her apartment, and she offered it to us. Mm-hmm. Even we take over the lease. We just took over the lease yeah. of her apartment. Yeah, we had a couple, even before that, a couple was in the military and they were being reassigned and they needed somebody to take their apartment Mm -hmm. and we took their apartment. Again, connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God makes connections, Mm -hmm. housing opportunities, referrals, Mm -hmm. recommendations. I can't tell you how many times young people have come to me and said, Pastor Chris, could you write a recommendation for me? 
Pastor Chris, could you write a recommendation? It was recommendations for schools, mm-hmm. recommendations for jobs. Mm-hmm. And so again, why did why? A connection. Yes. Being a bridge mm-hmm. to help somebody mm-hmm. get to the next step. Uh, next step in their life. That's what Barnabas was for Saul, mm-hmm. and that's what God used us to be for people. Mm-hmm. People were that for us. Yes. And I know that that has been God's intention uh, here in cities like Harrisburg, yes. where there will be faith families built up, where people aren't in survival mode, right. only concerned about therefore and right. no more. Yes. <sighs> And opportunities and things come up and they won't tell nobody. Right. And why? Because I don't want them working on my job with me. Right. <laughs> One of the benefits of being in a faith plant family is being in a place where you can learn conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. I know I won't get no further than this one. <laughs> I didn't even plan to. Conflict resolution. Yes. Uh, starting off with Matthew 5, verse 23 to 24. Therefore... If you bring your gift to the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar, go your way. First be reconciled with and to your brother and then come and offer your gift. A faith family practices instant reconciliation and understands that conflicts cause much greater damage to a relationship when it's left unresolved. Mm Wow. Yes, that's that's a whole mouthful all by itself. Um, a conflict is usually a misunderstanding. It's it's usually a miscommunication, and if you're not willing to go to that person um, and to make sure that you what you understood to have happened really happened, um, then you're losing a relationship. You're losing you're losing care. You're losing connection. You're losing camaraderie. You're you're losing community. You're you're losing uh, growth. You're losing. You're losing. <laughs> you're losing. Um, so it's it's beneficial for the body to continue to grow, to be able to continue to support one another, that you get that thing straight. Um, go in all humility. Mm-hmm. I I. I just wanted to make sure that I, I want, first of all, I'm sorry that this happened. I, I, and I want, to, I, want to, I want to restore this relationship. I want our relationship to be healthy once again. Mm-hmm. What can we do? Um, what happened? Get, get to what down to making sure that you understood, both understand what really happened in the, in the issue, in that circumstance. Uh, be grown up. Be, be a grown-up. Don't be a teenager. Don't be a child. Um, be a, be a grown-up about the situation and talk about what happened so that you're both on the same page you can, and understand that the enemy is always going to come and try and divide us. That's, what he's, that's, that's his purpose. Don't allow division. Don't allow uh, there to be a misunderstanding. Don't let, don't let that miscommunication continue. Find out what mm-hmm. really happened. Um, don't let somebody else tell you what happened. Find out for yourself. <laughs> um, it's very important. Um, a faith family also understands that God forgives us our sins as we forgive others who have sinned against us. So even when a person has the 
deliberately done something against you, for, you need to first find out really what's going on in that person's life to even cause them to respond to you the way that they did. Because mm -hmm. there is a reason. There is a reason. Um, whether it's um, something that they've grown up in, or there's an, uh, a pattern in their lives that's not healthy, um, or they gave in to the enemy at that time. Recognize that God has forgiven you yeah. much. Yeah. Um, forgive that person so that you can go on so that you're not filled with bitterness, which is a poison to your body, which is an open door to the enemy to come into your life and to wreak havoc. In Acts, the sixth chapter, verses one through seven, we read the story of how there was a dispute because of the widows and the, and the daily distribution. The Hebrews were getting the stuff, the Hellenistic uh, widows were not. And so they had to resolve the conflict. And this came at a time when the, the, the church was coming together, growing, mm -hmm. exploding. So and this is, this is just how it always is. Mm -hmm. It's just always like this. And Urban Life has experienced this repeatedly through the years here in Harrisburg, that every time there is momentum and we're building and growing, there's always some dispute that rises like this. Mm -hmm. It reads specifically, it says, now in those days when the number of disciples were multiplying, when the number of disciples was multiplying, when the number of disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Which were Greeks. By which were Greeks, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Now, the story does not go on to say that that's not true. <laughs> So it wasn't a rumor. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about two different races. Yes. So I just want you to two understand different, two different ethnic groups. This was two different ethnic groups. This was an issue real quick, the same way it is today. Mm -hmm. It would be today as if though we were saying, All right, we all up here in this church and the white widows is getting all their stuff and the black ones are not. What's up? And there was no denying, let me first say, there was no denying what was going on. Right. This is a pet peeve of mine, so I have to really be careful that I don't stand up on a soapbox and preach on this for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't stand denial. Yeah. Don't deny that. They, oh, that's not what's really going on. That's just your perception of, no, they didn't even, they didn't even uh, uh, deny it that that's what was going on. The response was, then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Yes. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And you know the story. They chose Stephen and they chose others and they laid their hands on prayed for them and set them over this issue. And after they got it straight, then everything went back and started yes. growing. The and word of God spread. The word of God spread and we kept moving. Um, the benefit of being in a true faith family 
is that you can learn conflict resolution mm -hmm. and you can actually learn the way it should be. It yes. can be yes. and should be yes. handled correctly. Yes. It's yes. not that there won't be conflict, no. especially at these levels sure. between ethnic groups. Yes. But the thing is, when it happens, we cannot deny it. Right. Face it, please. Face it straight up. And these, and also, here's the other thing, learning in the faith family, don't expect the pastor to solve it. <laughs> I've, I've been through it for many years, both here in Harrisburg and in St. Louis. Uh -huh. Pastor, so-and-so is doing something, so-and-so is doing something, and you need to, no, no, no. You go choose some brothers, y'all work this out. We got we have plenty of competent, well seasoned people that can handle this. Mm -hmm. Quit expecting the they went straight to the apostles. Yeah. Fix this. No, no, we're not. <laughs> and I know, and through the years people have left Urban Life because Pastor Chris refused to step into these situations. Why did I do that? Here's my biblical precedence. This is the training that I received and how you handle it. Mm -hmm. And I know that people in around here they thought that I was wrong and off and everything but no here's the Bible it's not right for me to stop doing what God has called me to do to go and wait on tables this is a table issue mm -hmm. what does it mean table issue this is an issue that you can work out amongst yourselves mm -hmm. we really can because it required just uh, doing just what they did yeah. Seek out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, wisdom that we may appoint that we may appoint over this business. Yes. That's how they handled it. That was their way of dealing with the conflict resolution. Now we've had some experience, serious experiences in our home church, mm -hmm. youth conflict, ministry conflict. There was a time when all our youth staff, not even the young people, right. our staff was made up of young adults, and. Well, I, I guess well, the age ranges would be from 25 and older, 25 up to in the late 30s or mm -hmm. early 40s. Yeah. And so we started having conflicts amongst them. Not, not the kids, the staff. Staff won't get along, fighting and fussing with one another about same things that we have around here in Harrisburg, position. Mm -hmm. What's their position? What's their connection with me and Carol? Uh -huh. Who is the greatest among us? I'm like, <laughs> it really was. It really was. Uh, and so what Carol and I did was we called the whole youth ministry staff to our house. Everybody came in sheepish and everything, but they thought this was going to be a blowout meeting. We just going because, you know, they knew they I kind of, they know us. And so we're confrontational and all that kind of thing. So they thought this was going to be a big blowout meeting. Instead, me and Carol went and uh, we took out the basins of water. Basins of water and we washed everybody's feet. Oh my gosh. what the Lord told us to do and to say, this is how you're to be with each other. So there are ways to resolve conflict, mm -hmm. even when because that level that's beyond talking it out. It is that that required that the Holy Spirit deal with each one's and everybody's heart. heart. I couldn't talk that out. Could not talk that out. And we were wondering, well, what do we do? And God just put on my heart, wash everybody's feet. Okay, it's that's not one of those moments. Okay, I'll do that. But when we did it. And folks begin to 
cry yes. and break down yes. and then they'll be able to say this has how we we're, we're called here to serve each other this yeah. isn't about whose position who gets what position right. on the youth staff yeah. it's always about service um, we had a conflict with our benevolence director one time uh, he's a brother oh, yeah. uh, Latino brother uh, and he was falling behind in his work and wasn't always able to account for uh, uh, the inventory and all that kind of thing and so we called him in on a meeting and he was stumbling trying to answer the questions and all of that and I'll never forget this moment I'm sitting there looking at him and the Holy Spirit just opened up my understanding and I stopped the whole meeting and I said brother I'm sorry we forget now here's the background mm -hmm. this brother has been battling HIV virus mm -hmm. So he was on the, this was the early days of all that stuff yes. when there was a lot of side effects yeah. like fatigue and memory Lost. trouble and all that kind of stuff. And I said, brother, forgive us because we forget what you are going through. Mm -hmm. I am so sorry. Got down on my knees in front of him. Boy, I feel the moment now. Mm -hmm. Got down on my knees in front of him. Said, please forgive us. We forget what you're going through. This is not about you keeping up with the inventory and accounting for everything. I said, I'm sorry. I get in my administrative mode and forget what people are going through. I'm so sorry. And that happens in the body of Christ. You, you know, just somebody, forget. We'll talk to somebody. We'll speak to somebody and they won't speak to us. And we'll get automatically get an attitude. But you never even consider what they might be going through in going their life. Through. They might not have even heard. They more likely did not even hear you. Yeah. We, we all have issues that we're dealing with. Yeah. And we need to show grace to one another. Yeah. The grace that God gives us, we need to show that grace to one another. Yeah. So we're not saying that conflict don't exist, but, I, but we know that a faith family is a, can be a great place to learn mm -hmm. about real conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. The things that we're telling you about these are, this was real resolution mm -hmm. to conflict. Mm -hmm. And it can happen, and we have experienced it. Yes. Uh, when people left our church, uh, and people leave for all kinds of reasons, sure. we asked for exit interviews mm -hmm. so we could find out what was the reason. We found out a lot of people, they, they weren't angry, mad, nothing. It's just, I feel like it's just time for me to go. I don't have nothing against the pastors, nothing against the. I just feel like it's just time for me to go. Mm -hmm. And so why were those necessary exit interviews? Because, again, it didn't give the enemy an opportunity to make something out of nothing. Right. Where people could just say, I don't, I just feel like my time is over here. Yeah. Then there were others. They would say, well, actually, such something did happen. And such, such a person hurt me or this elder didn't speak to me and all of that. And those were always real delicate to try to work through because especially when people were hurt by leaders, uh, I was often found myself trying to explain to them, uh, leaders are not perfect. And I'm not saying as a blanket statement. And then I would try to give them enough background on that leader without totally exposing that yes. leader's business. Yes. Such things as, well, you know, this brother, his wife is pregnant. And so he's running back and forth between work and home and job. And so you may have just caught him at a bad moment. Mm -hmm. And it, I ain't even thought about that. Human beings. Just We're human all beings. 
human beings. I've called him three or four times. He never did get back with me. He's got, he's working a job. His wife is pregnant. And he volunteers here. And he volunteers here at the church. This isn't a full-time job for him. He can't just drop what he's doing and call you back. That's what I mean. But again, the exit interviews gave us opportunity to resolve the mm -hmm. conflict. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you, it can happen. Now, there are people that may be on the other side. They don't even want an explanation. I've been on that side, too. In fact, one leader who eventually left our church, she used these words. She said, I don't want to talk to Pastor Chris because I know he's going to give me a good explanation. So there's nothing you can do about that. No. You don't, you don't want the answer. <laughs> somebody you don't, don't want the truth. I don't even, because okay. I know that the, I know the associate pastor is going to give me a good reason. So I don't even want to talk to him. Mm -hmm. I want what I want. I want what I want when it. I want it. So there are sometimes, yeah, there are people who don't always want the truth. They just want their way. Mm -hmm. And you can't do anything about that. Uh, but again, especially for those that might see this later, the, re the you won't have internal conflict with yourself when you understand that. Again, it's, I'm talking about not just conflict between us and another person, but internal conflict too. Mm -hmm. um, so that's even part of what's been frustrating for us in this last few years of our journey because we have not been afforded very many exit interviews to even understand what happened, why it happened, you know, because I, one of the things that it can be a drawback for, for those who are in a city like Harrisburg and I, please don't take this as offensive, Harrisburg. But many uh, have not experienced other cultures outside of this. And so you'll mm -hmm. tend to treat people who come from other cultures as if though we understand what you mean by what you say and how things are done here. And so you project your understanding upon us and we don't have a clue as to what you're talking about and what you're offended about and what the problem is <laughs> we really don't because that's not our culture or experience it's not even our experience so there have been people who have gotten upset with me as a pastor because their expectation was that i would call them i would do all these things and it's because that's what pastors do here but i'm not from here <laughs> And where I'm from, that ain't what happens. And so you project your expectations from people here upon those who come from the outside, and that's not our world at all. And then the worst part is you make what I call a value judgment on me. But that but it's based upon your standard and your criteria not based upon the actual word of God. Right, without any communication. Without any communication, because you don't understand. I don't know what you're talking about. And sometimes um, people simply talk louder. It'd be like speaking French to somebody who's Spanish. And so now you just speak French louder, thinking that they're going to understand. Talking louder doesn't mean I understand you. We actually have to have 
interpretation of words to come back and forth, mm -hmm. interpretation of cultures mm -hmm. to come back and forth. And then here's the last one. You actually have to believe what I'm telling you. Because if you don't believe me, then we're, we're not going to get anywhere. What's the point? You have to believe what I'm telling you about where I'm coming from. I have no reason to lie to you. <laughs> and I certainly can't pretend because this is all I know. This is who I am. Um, so uh, conflict resolution, one of the things though it does, though, is that it separates explanations from excuses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we just learned this one yesterday in yes. our session. Uh, the woman explained that, well, an explanation is the reasons and the factors for someone's actions or for, for an accident or for a situation. It's the reasons and the factors that cause that situation mm -hmm. or that cause that accident. An excuse is using those reasons and those factors to escape your personal responsibility yeah. in that situation. Yeah. And she used a great example. She said, you have a car accident and the reason for the accident is the roads were slippery. Mm -hmm. He said, now the excuse is the only reason why I had that accident is because the roads were slippery. No, the reason you had the accident is because you knew the roads were slippery, but you didn't slow down. Right. You were going too fast. <laughs> Take responsibility. Yes, it's true. The roads were slippery, but the rest of it is I didn't slow down, mm -hmm. even though I knew that. Yeah, so that's the difference. And what am I getting at is conflict resolution starts to separate the explanations from the excuses. Yes. And one of the things that has hap that does happen in a faith family is as we get to know each other, um, we start hearing and recognizing one another that you've been using that as an excuse. Mm -hmm. Because that's just the nature. You start getting to know each other really well. Yeah. It's like on our jobs, the person who keeps coming into work every day, and every day they've got an excuse, and after a while you go, wait a minute. Also, this is the reason why you got fired last time. Because right. before they tell you, those people were so mean to me, and they didn't ever understand. And, they didn't. and then when they start working where you're working, then you go, oh, now I know. <laughs> and it's just that when it happens in a church setting or in a faith family, mm -hmm. there seems to be this heightened level of offense. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, this is still the real world. Yeah. We're still adults. Mm -hmm. Nothing's changed just because we aren't having this conversation at that address of the job, but we're having that conversation at this address in a church building. Mm -hmm. But the enemy makes it like this big, huge blowout thing. These people are so offensive, and this should never happen at a church. One of my relatives is like that. Um, he's always talking about different things that happen in the house of God and how he feels like it should never happen in a church. And so I told him, I said, no, there's still people. Hello. They're human beings. There's still that's, people. That's unrealistic. But it should never happen at church. Why? What's different? And, and it's still people. And so, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. Where does it say that in the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> All you see is. Well, he has some things that should never be named among us. Those the list of sins and things. But but misunderstanding and people with their idiosyncrasies and preferences and all that. That's that's the normal. Bible's full of that. That that's gonna be. Everybody doesn't join a faith family or come together with a group of For people. For perfection. And and no. 
We all come with our views, our hurts, our pains, the things that we swore that we would never let that happen to me ever again. So as soon as it starts to look like it's about to happen like that again. Peace. Some people get out. Some people get defensive. Some people get very aggressive Mm -hmm. if they look like they're about to get hurt. And so that should never happen in church. Like, why? The leader is still a human being, whether it's the senior pastor or a deacon, an elder, a department head. They, we all walk in the door with a whole list of stuff that the Holy Spirit is still working on all of us with. And the problem is that when we conflict with one another, when we clash with one another, then we throw up this expectation thing that, well, you ain't supposed to, and you don't like why doesn't that apply to you? Why does it only apply to me that I should have the right response and be, but you can say what you want and go off and throw your weight around and, and well, God's just working on me, but he ain't working on me. <laughs> so you can see what Pastor Chris going on, but that is what people do and tend to do in the church, in the faith family setting. They go, well, you just have to understand God is working on me. But when somebody else says that to them, no, it doesn't work. I don't have to understand God's working on you. You have to understand that God's working on me. (laughs) And that doesn't work. Conflict resolution means both of us, both of us acknowledging, okay, I may not be understanding you. Right. I may not even like you. Here's another one. I don't even like your personality type. Mm-hmm. That's hard to admit, but it's just I don't like certain kind of people. Now, that's for you to work out yes. with you and God, and yep. God's going to keep putting you. He does. He, he does. keeps going to keep going to keep putting you and me in situations. What? With the very kind of people that we don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because that's the Holy Spirit working on us. Yes. <laughs> Now, yesterday, and I'll close with this, we attended a spiritual care training program uh, that was sponsored by Pinnacle Health Spiritual Care Services, and it was held over here across the street uh, at at the campus over here. Uh, And it was a five-hour session taught by a a Dr. Patricia Forcerelli. She's an assistant professor of pediatrics at John Hopkins um, um, uh, University School of Medicine, and she's a professor of spirituality and practical theology uh, in the Ecumenical Institute of Theology at St. Mary Seminary. Mm-hmm. So here's a woman very educated who is both very experienced, very experienced in both pediatrics medicine and practice, mm-hmm. as well as theology, mm-hmm. ministry, mm-hmm. and medicine. Mm-hmm. So her experience has been vast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was there at the special, they, they had invitations to nurses, social workers, case managers, physicians, uh, medical residents, community clergy, community leaders. They wanted all of us there. And so we got the invitation and we went because I'm like, anything going on at this level, yeah, I want to know about. And it's because the particular topic that they were dealing with um, is about workplace violence, how to handle workplace violence and how to be prepared should there be some type of disaster yeah. that hits our area? Yeah. 
So yes, we were. So now y'all know. Here we've been talking about Holy Spirit's been moving on us. We can feel something's about mm-hmm. to happen. Something's about to happen, and then uh, this comes up. And here, Pinnacle Health is offering a workshop that you can come to for free, mm-hmm. free continental breakfast, free lunch. Mm-hmm. Just come for five hours and let us tell you what to do if there's a disaster that hits our area. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we're going to that. Mm-hmm. But the first thing that they dealt with was what they call workplace violence. But Carol and I kind of laughed about that and said, no, that really was just the out front topic to really deal with, you know, uh, how we got to deal with our own, our heart own hearts when, di- when ministering or caring for other, other people. people. But I said, but they couldn't give it that title. They couldn't. Nobody would come. They couldn't call it how to deal with what's going on in, in your, your own, own heart. heart. <laughs> so they called it how to deal with workplace violence and how to be prepared in case a disaster hits our community. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> now the speaker uh, that she dealt with workplace violence really by focusing on on uh, how people's personal issues are brought into the workplace, yeah. and that's why I say this. We're out of time, but I got to tell you this: um, she wanted us to deal, help us deal with our own personal issue and how people bring their personal issues into the workplace. Mm-hmm. And we have definitely faced that throughout our years here in urban life because mm-hmm. everybody comes to church with their personal issues. Mm-hmm. And she even mentioned that. She said, not just the workplace, mm-hmm. but also she said houses of worship mm-hmm. and churches because mm-hmm. people come with personal issues. Yes. And she even brought up the fact that the last few years, uh, people been walking in the churches and shooting pastors because yeah. whatever's going on in their personal life, their marital troubles, personal conflicts, mm-hmm. they do what's called transference yes. and projection. Mm-hmm. Projection in particular is you have bad, you have a bad experience with one black person. So you project that on all, all black, people. all black people are evil in me. And transference is the stuff that's going on in your own personal life. You start assigning it to that person says or does something that reminds you of a person you of that another you've had person. a conflict with, and all you can hear is, is what that, that person who you're in conflict with is said or did. And I know I've been on the other side of that oh, for many years here in Harrisburg, where I sound like some man, sound like some father, some uncle, some teacher that somebody has uh, had a very bad experience with. Mm-hmm. I actually had this as a youth pastor. I was talking to a parent, and this woman just all of a sudden, while I'm talking, cussed me out. And started talking to... She was talking to her ex-husband. Her ex-husband. And then she, I said, excuse me? Because, you know, when she started using profanity, I go, excuse me? And then she said, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor Chris. I'm talking to my husband. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's real that people come to church... Mm-hmm. And they will project mm-hmm. or transfer. Mm-hmm. And we have had tons of that amongst us. Mm-hmm. Meeting in this room or when we used to meet over in the cafeteria or meeting upstairs in the conference room. Where we have been on the, the, the objects of transference yes, and projection. Yes. And you have too. You have to, not just us as leaders, but as people looked around the room and your certain personality or mm-hmm. things that you said, or it reminded them. And so they, some of them, they either clam up and stop talking 
and they don't come back or some become very talkative. There was, there was there other things. Some people mm-hmm. get real quiet when that happens. Mm-hmm. Some get very, really talk, talkative when that happens. Right. Um, that's their way of processing it. That's their way of processing it. They feel threatened. They get insecure. They get angry. And so we've been in it. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you now, we've been in it amongst ourselves sitting in this room and all the different rooms we've met in where where we're talking sometimes i'm young you guys know i've opened up the floor for conversation Mm -hmm. you've said things questions answers and you've been wondering why am i feeling this when i talk where where is this coming from it's Mm -hmm. because you're feeling the transference and the projection Mm -hmm. because now you're sounding like something or somebody that they've had very negative experience with Mm -hmm. especially when we say verbatim right what the other person said. Now, our meaning can be completely different. Mm-hmm. And I know that's happened to me as a pastor. Mm-hmm. My meaning is completely different, but I still say it the same thing that that pastor says. Mm-hmm. I still teach or preach similar topics. And so when my voice would raise up and sometimes I get enthusiastic and, enthusiastic and talk, it happened in this room one time. Mm-hmm. One woman who visited us and uh, mm-hmm. we, I stood up to pray for her. And y'all saw it. She, she went, whoa, she whoa, panicked. whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What you about to do? I said, I'm, like, I'm about to pray for you like what, that. And what did you think was going to happen? What you think happen? was going to happen? But that's what happens. Yeah. Why? Because her negative experiences that she had with previous pastors mm-hmm. and previous men in her life, Man. she felt threatened when I just simply stood up. Mm-hmm. She flashed back. Now, just imagine. Now, think back over the years that y'all been with us and all the things y'all have seen me heard and say and stood up and everything and what what people have come away with. Mm-hmm. What was the point? Uh, this woman's point was that um, a faith family, well, really for us, a faith family can be a wonderful place to learn to be lovingly compassionate and patient with all types of behaviors. This is a tough one, but we got to accept this, guys, because yeah. people come with this woman brought up a phrase that we had never heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called people's impulse control level. Mm-hmm. People have different impulse control levels. Mm-hmm. For instance, if someone says something you don't like, um, you may have the impulse to say, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. But because you have impulse control, <laughs> you won't say that. You won't say that. Yeah, and so why why is it that some people left that out? Well, alcohol is one of the biggest things that lowers that control. Yeah. So they just go ahead and say it. Yeah. Now, now she says, now going beyond just what people may say, mm-hmm. some people have low have low impulse control in their actions. Yes, yes. Very low impulse control mm-hmm. because stuff has been building up mm-hmm. and building up over the years. Yeah, that- building up and building up uh there have been i was telling carol this there have been a couple of men that have attended here that i was very concerned about their possibility of going off in our meetings mm-hmm. yeah part of my training to recognize that and all of that but it's because i knew i was getting projection i was getting transference mm-hmm. yeah so these are real things that happen everywhere, but we have to get to the point where we understand better what's happening here in the in a faith family. Yes. 
That's why I was challenging my relative who said, this should never happen in the house of God. I'm like, no, and actually it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Because everybody sitting in a room is coming from so many different places and we're all in such different levels in our understanding mm -hmm. and control. And mm -hmm. I mean, people that are in medication yeah. that lower their impulse yeah. levels. They're, yeah. And that's, and that's been another issue. As you guys know, different ones among us, they're on medication. Uh, and they're dealing with this, they were dealing with the side effects mm -hmm. of the medication that they were on. Why am so I you, getting involved? Of course, it, it changes their perception. Changes their perception of, of reality and what's actually happening. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I want you to never, my final, my, my final statement, Lord, give me one closing. <laughs> Never, here I wrote this one down, never make yourself the standard and the measure for judging others. In other words, simply because you have a good impulse control right. level and you have a great tolerance level, uh, don't make yourself the measure and the, and the standard because everybody doesn't have it that walks in amongst us in a faith family. Right. Be very patient and understanding of where people really are. There's really are. Where they really are. You've got uh, one of the dynamics of church is that um, we tend to try to live on where we want to be. And we're encouraged to. Mm -hmm. There's a certain level that we want to live. I want to live right for God. I want to be mature. And, I wanna, and so we, we're striving for that. Uh, but it can make us very judgmental of those who, who they, they're not there. Mm -hmm. They just aren't there. Mm -hmm. And so this understanding will really help us. People, most people that connect with the faith family, they're not coming there to help. They're not coming there to give. They're not coming there to contribute. They're not. Mm -hmm. Most people come to receive. They come to get healed. They come to purge. They come to escape. Mm -hmm. They come to recover, mm -hmm. they come to recharge, they come to get revived, mm -hmm. they come to get renewed, and, and let me punctuate this, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Those of us who move to the point where, okay, I'm mature and strengthened and healed enough that now I can contribute, mm -hmm. don't forget, there was a day <laughs> when the only reason why you was coming was to vent and to purge and to recover. Don't forget, I used to be there. That's what'll help you. You remember, yeah. I, I was. It's just that you may have been, you may not have been as aggressive right. as they are, or you may not have been as vocal as they are, but you were there. Mm -hmm. Just admit and say, yeah, I was there because I was ready to kill, shoot, stab. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that I didn't say nothing. Right. And one of the things we talked about in that session was you really got to be concerned about the quiet people. <laughs> the vocal ones you always and, know where and they the instructor are. actually said she said the vocal ones they're actually getting it out yes but the ones who are quiet see how I should have been we should have been concerned about y'all <laughs> <laughs> she was the, hilarious the quiet ones yeah. those are the ones you better watch out for because when they explode when their impulse level reaches to the point where they can't hold it back anymore yeah. it's usually an explosion yeah. Thank you, Lord. You don't know what that impulse is going to what be. That, what that impulse is going Since to be. Yeah, there is no control anymore. Yeah. So I said all of that to say those are the, <laughs> one, of the, one of the great things about being in a faith family. But isn't it interesting, even as we talked about this, a great place to learn 
about conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. Bless the Lord. Come on, give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord. <laughs>